Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms. Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 31 of Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and I'm more than willing to pitch in and help pay for the lawyer to get Crane his citizenship. And I'm Barb, and the sands of time move quickly through the hourglass. Today, we're going to be discussing the 13th Sleepy Hollow episode of Season 3, entitled Dark Mirror, which was written by Sam Clayson and Nelson Greaves, and directed by Sylvain White. So what did you think of the epi, Steve? I enjoyed this one as well. Now, I I know a lot of... Uh, we seem to have gotten some... Uh, negative comments about the Jersey Devil, but I kind of like that it wasn't quite as scary and more intelligent than some of the other creatures that we've had to deal with this episode. So I kind of like the change up myself. Yeah, I enjoyed the episode. Um, I think that we got so much character development in the last one that I probably ranked it down just a little bit for that because I felt a little spoiled with that. And and we did have some nice, some beautiful character moments in this one as well. But I think that the last one had a lot more of the Mills sisters and, and a lot more character. And, and I think that's why I probably ranked last week's a little higher than I'm ranking today's. Yeah, the, the Mills episodes have just been outstanding. So yeah, anything following a Mills episode is <laughs> going to be a little bit of a letdown no matter what they do. That's Tough act to follow. Yes, it is. All right. Well, how about a recap there, Barb? You betcha, Steve. As we open the episode, a couple is running in the park, and both are killed by the Jersey Devil. The hidden one is there, and the devil falls to his knees, worshiping his master. Abby continues having flashbacks to her time in the catacombs and seeks solace in her rune symbol. Jenny, Joe, Abby, and Crane are having Sunday brunch at the house, And we learn that Crane has been rejected as a citizen because he missed his formal interview while looking for Abby. Crane and Jenny believe that Abby is hiding something from them. As they are finishing brunch, Abby is called to another crime scene where two antiquities professors were killed. Crane realizes that the various wounds on the victims are an amalgamation of creatures. The Jersey Devil with the head of a goat, skin of a snake, and the tail of a scorpion. Crane remembers that while he was an apprentice of Benjamin Franklin, he met a rival scientist of Franklin's named Dr. Chepeth Leeds. Dr. Leeds taunted Crane about working for the wrong person and that he, Dr. Leeds, had invented a better lightning rod than Franklin. Dr. Leeds was an outcast because he was using genetic mutation and he turned himself into the Jersey Devil. Jenny calls Abby to tell her that the professors were in possession of two solid gold artifacts which were vessels to the power of the gods, a possible motive for murder. Crane and Abby find Leeds' laboratory and realize he worships his master, the Hidden One. Abby sees her rune symbol on a table, and Crane says it must be evil if it is in Leeds' possession. Jenny arrives home looking for a book so that she can help Abby, 
but finds Joe with a big red bow for her new trailer. She isn't happy. Abby and Crane continue to explore Leeds' laboratory for clues and discover that he created the movie projector 200 years before it was believed to be invented. In an old movie short, Leeds describes the origins of the Hidden One in Pandora. The Hidden One was banished to the catacombs by his brother with the box containing all the evils of the world. Pandora was told by the Hidden One that she was his ray of hope, and she unleashed the contents of the box into the world, killing the Hidden One's brother. The Hidden One gained control of the world, but was banished again by humanity. Leeds believes he can recreate the gold hourglass using the stolen solid gold artifacts, which will enable the Hidden One to harness the power of evil. At that moment, Leeds appears in his laboratory, and a fight ensues. Crane is stung by Leeds' scorpion tail, and the venom could kill him. Leeds flees while Abby makes an antidote as Crane tells her what ingredients to include. Abby stumbles, falls, spills the antidote, and is mesmerized by the rune symbol. Crane weakly calls for Abby, and she fights the rune's hold on her, snaps out of her trance, and makes another batch. She gives Crane the antidote and holds both him and her rune to her chest as he finally comes to. He sees what she is holding and tells her it is evil and has a hold on her. She confesses that she needs it, that it gave her peace while she was in the catacombs. Jenny calls Abby and tells her about the hourglass and the sands of life, and that fire of the gods is needed to create a new hourglass. Abby and Crane realize that Leeds needs lightning. They find Leeds with the artifacts and his, better than Franklin's, lightning rod. As lightning hits the rod, Abby sneaks up on Leeds and stabs him with his own rod. Lightning strikes him, and he is destroyed. Unfortunately, so are the artifacts and the sand of life that was created. Meanwhile, Joe returns Jenny's old trailer, and they discuss boundaries. Crane and Abby have a similar conversation, but Abby tells Crane that she has a problem and asks for his help. In the final scene, we see Pandora and the Hidden One. The golden hourglass appears from the koi pond, and the sand flows into it. The sand begins falling, and the Hidden One says that the time has come, and the new world begins now. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, no kidding. That is scary, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Ooh, this will be an interesting one to talk about, won't it, Steve? Yes. But why don't you give us some news first? All right. Seeing that we covered all the live plus seven uh, numbers in the last episode, uh, we'll give you the preliminary numbers for this episode, episode 13, The Dark Mirror. 3.01 million viewers with a 0.7 rating among adults 18 to 49. Again, staying very consistent. Very, very consistent. So mm-hmm. Fox has got to be happy about that, that they moved us to Friday and we're still pulling the same numbers. Yeah, I know. It's nice to see. So, And I know that there is a, uh, a I think I've seen a Twitter campaign about renewing Sleepy Hollow during yes. the, past, the past couple Friday nights. So hopefully the people at Fox will... Get the message. Yes. So what kind of rating did you give this episode, Steve? I gave it an 8.25 subpar alchemists. Ooh. And I gave it eight stings from a death stalker scorpion tail. So it looks like we were uh, pretty much in line. Yes, we were. Mm-hmm. So we had an, an interesting new um, monster, or shall we call him just a devil this week? And we got That's- a lot of it. We got a lot of interesting backstory on uh, on our evil twins, too. Yes, we did. And that was 
Quite fascinating, to say the least. Though, of course, I doubt we got the uh, story, but uh, we shall see. Well, tell us all about it, Steve. All righty. Well, as the Hidden One and the Jersey Devil meet, and at first, the Jersey Devil doesn't recognize him, and he's about to say something that he probably would regret, but catches himself and goes and bows before his master. Good thing he was mumbling. Exactly. was very curious that the Hidden One does say, well... It's finally time to give the devil his due. Yeah, I know. That, that was cheesy line, but <laughs> cute. I was actually surprised that the hidden one actually came out of his lair, lair mm-hmm. and w- appeared in public. I mean, how ungodlike to appear to one of his servants. Usually it should be the other way around, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially after what we found out later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, we do uh, discover that Japan... Japheth Leeds, uh, played by Charles Aiken, was performing genetic mutation tests on himself back in the old days. And basically, he has nobody to blame but himself for becoming the Jersey Devil. Becoming the attractive person he is today. Uh, Yes. But it did extend his life, apparently. Quite a bit, yes. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think all those little creatures live that long. Hmm. Yeah, the combination doesn't seem like it would extend one's life by millennia either, but maybe so. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we get this grand backstory of the Hidden One. I wonder how Leeds knew all this. Yes. How was he able to uh, gather this information to... uh, create his little uh, movie about it, I wonder. I know. It's got to be in a book somewhere. (laughs) Maybe he stole one of Franklin's. (laughs) That would not surprise me in the least. Mm -mm. So apparently, evil was running amok on the earth, and the Hidden One and his brother gods came to the world and gathered up all the evil and Placed it in the box. Pandora's box. Yes. So I wonder why it was that the Hidden One was banished to take care of the box of evil and not one of the other gods. Exactly. I wonder what he did this time. Since he's, we already know he's pretty clueless, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he probably was uh, taking credit for uh, defeating evil and... Uh, the other brothers weren't too happy about that, so they said, okay, you, the one that defeated evil, then you get to guard it. Maybe that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but don't you think that all those gods would have been equally narcissist? Oh, absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. Interesting. Maybe they flipped a gold coin artifact to f- determine who was going to get to uh, <laughs> live in the catacombs for the millennia. Whatever. Exactly. Hand wave. <laughs> So, of course, it's Pandora who uh, is making sacrifices to at least one of the brothers and also visiting the Hidden One. Now, how she knew that he was down there is another question I would love to have answered. So, I'm wondering if it's sort of like the Mayans' virgin sacrifice, right? 
where they have yeah. to send the pretty young things down and and because then if the god zaps them then you know it's no great loss because the other humanity leaders or whatever aren't getting zapped because yeah. he did say that when he saw her she was quote unquote in chains and that might have been metaphorical but certainly as she approached him she did look a little fearful down there didn't she yes she did mm-hmm. so i'm thinking it, it probably was more along the lines of this is sort of a punishment virgin sacrifice and if you get zapped no great loss and she presents him with the little flower oh and then we start to see the hidden ones wheels turning and he brings the box out and says, this is the box that contains all the evils in the world. He's been using her since day one. Day one, yes. Mm-hmm. Because we cut to a scene where she's back above ground, opens the box, and the evils destroy one of the brothers. And not too far behind her is the hidden one. Now, the curious part of this is... You hear Leed say, and humanity banished him back to the catacombs. So I'm thinking, because I'll tell you what, what I first thought is that maybe some of the humans got tired of him and threw him back down. But on reflecting upon this, I'm wondering if it was witnesses that tossed him back down. Because Pandora has said in the past, it's not the first time that they fought witnesses, right? Exactly. And, and we think this is ancestral and that perhaps Abby and Crane have ancestors who in the past have been witnesses. So that's kind of what I am now leaning toward. Well, whatever it was, they were powerful because they just grabbed his and tossed him back down there like it was nothing. Great, great, great Aunt Abby and great, great, great Uncle <laughs> Crane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Had to have been. Yes. Thousand generations removed. Yeah. Okay. Because he gets just snatched. And it's funny to see that happen to him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I enjoyed that. I know. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Now, we get to see a couple of moments with Crane and Leeds. One prior to his conversion, where he is almost as cocky as the hidden one. I'm glad you said that. Because I thought exactly the same thing. And you know, in, he, in the in the press releases for this, they called him handsome, and I'm looking at this guy thinking, I don't think he's that handsome. No. But it's the attitude, I think, that makes them unattractive. Yes, because he was putting Crane down, putting Franklin down, and just being a total jerk about it. <laughs> I think you almost said a different word. Yeah, <laughs> I had to bite my tongue. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> now, when... Uh, the next meeting is inside his lair, which I'll talk about Crane later, but you see him be able to handle himself. He's had a lot of time to get used to his uh, talents, I guess, because he's able to knock Abby around and just sting Crane without any trouble at all. I mean, the gunfire didn't phase him a bit. You know, it reminded me a little bit like last week, the ghoul was extremely powerful. And here we've got the Jersey Devil, and he is a very powerful creature, too. And, you know, granted, we've had a lot of powerful creatures before, but I mean, they they seem to have this superhuman strength. And I almost get the impression that as we get closer to the Hidden One's agenda, 
that they are becoming increasingly stronger. Yes. Yes, I think we're going to see quite a few that keep getting stronger and stronger as the season progresses. And it's going to be more and more difficult for the witnesses to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, once Leeds accomplishes his mission by creating the uh, Sands of Life, even though he is destroyed afterwards, back in the Hidden One's lair, we see him trying to make up to Pandora by providing the flower that she had given him all those millennia ago back to her and places it in her hair. I thought she was still sulking, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. There was no, I mean, she kind of fainted a very small smile and it was fake mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Now, does the hidden one know that? Apparently not. <laughs> no, he's, we've already said he's not very savvy when it comes to women's feelings. Yes. And he basically drags her over to the koi pond to watch the hourglass emerge and the sands go into it. And I thought and, that was cool. Oh, yes. And I like the way the, I don't know if it was actually Trevel. It or, looked like it, didn't it? Yes. It really and did. it was a blue hue to it. Even before the sand came down. Yeah, so they must have enough power between them still to recreate some of the lair. Yes. And you see him so proud of getting this and saying that the new world is coming. And Pandora's like, so? Uh Uh-huh. It's like, give me back my power. Yeah, that's all she cares about is getting her power back. Yeah, because I think that hourglass is all about him. Yeah, absolutely was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're not in the same space anymore. Hmm. I don't and know. we shall see if that causes some issues in the future. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And I'm not sure which one was probably the more pompous in the episode, the hidden one or the Jersey devil. It was close. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. Yeah. the Yeah. And I think I saw a couple of people complaining about the makeup or something. Yes. Quite a few did. But I thought, well, wait a minute. So this guy, he's, he experimented on himself and he's been hanging around for, oh, what? 250 plus years now, right? Right. He's going to look a little worn and torn. <laughs> you would think. So, and they couldn't really do a whole lot because he had to actually speak. Ah, uh, yes, that's correct. So, But he was so full of himself that he was just uh, exasperating yeah. at times. And so, or as you said, sort of pompous. So uh, it was hard for him to be scary to me the entire time. But when oh, he yeah. was, But when I'll tell you during the fight when he was throwing him around like that, that was worrisome. Yes. Yeah. Very worrisome. Yeah. All right. How did Team Witness do this week? Well, we didn't have a whole lot of Jenny and Joe this week. It was interesting because during the Sunday brunch, Jenny and Crane both thought that Abby was hiding something. So they were going to kind of continue to watch over her so that even though she was laughing and carrying on conversation, they both know her so well that they know that something still isn't quite right. But neither one of them was going to press her. They were giving her her boundaries. 
Yes, they really were. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even though they discussed spying on her Mm -hmm. and Jenny almost discovered what was going on. Oh, yes. When she went to get the champagne. Yes. So it's not like they were going to be completely as they were just trying to be concerned and be there for when she needed them. I I do believe that, yes, there was a desire to get to the bottom of it quick, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think they just want Abby back. They want the yes, best for her. Yes, they absolutely do. Yeah. So then after that lovely brunch, Jenny and Joe go to have a romantic Sunday afternoon. And they go back to the trailer, open the door, and it's a flood. Oh, no. <laughs> the pipes are busted. Yeah. And, but you know what? While they were talking, Joe was talking about the future. Wasn't that sweet? Oh, yes, was that it sweet? was. Yes, it was. So, you know, he says he's going to fix it for her, take care of things, yada, yada. And, of course, the way he fixes it is that he goes and buys her a new trailer with all the, what did he, he called it, blood money, flood money. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> And Joe is coming out to put one of those, you know, giant red bows, right, that you usually see during Christmas time during the Lexus commercials, right? Right. And he's coming with a, he's got this big bow and he's going to put it on this great big gorgeous trailer. And Jenny is like, what the, where's my trailer? Where's, what, what have you done, right? And guys, new house, new car, new anything, major purchase. The woman has the say. Yes. His heart was in the right place, but he blew it. Yes, he did. He completely blew it. And besides, she was in a hurry. She was trying to find something for Abby. Yeah. It's like, what? what is this? You know, get rid of it. Where's my Where's my stuff? Stuff. Et cetera. So it was kind of a lame way to get them to have a fight. And, and I, so I suspect that this whole boundaries thing is going to be um, probably the source of their, of their disagreements here, maybe in a couple of future episodes, right? Because I think yes. we, we know that there they're, they're going to be some issues. But it was sort of a, Kind of a lame way to get them to fight, but I, I suppose it was the most reasonable because they're on everything else. The team is working together to fight the monsters, so I think we can go with it. And then ultimately, I, he did give her back her old trailer. Yes, he did. They talk about boundaries. She gives him a big, wonderful kiss, and then bam, <laughs> locks him out. She locked. She completely locked him out, <laughs> and he's standing there like, uh. What? I thought I was out of the doghouse, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong answer, Joe. Sorry. But Jenny did provide the Abby and Crane with two valuable leads regarding the artifacts. So she found out about the, the two gold, solid gold artifacts. And then right. she gave them that important information that they needed to know about the hourglass and the sands of time. But otherwise, they played a pretty small role this week. Yes. And, and, and that was okay because we had balance between all the other storylines that were going on, including, I think, what was probably for us the final backstory for the hidden one in Pandora, other than potentially, as we discussed, how he got tossed back down into um, the catacombs the second time. So, but Mr. Crane. I think we need to book him on a cooking show. I really do. Well, you know, (laughs) as long as it's not Chef Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen... Because I don't think that Crane would tolerate being yelled at for something like that. <laughs> but one of the nice shows. Yes. All right. Well, I would love to see uh, him and 
<laughs> He's really enjoying the whole cooking thing. Because if you think about it back in the colonial times when he was serving, they probably did a lot of stuff over an open flame sitting around a little campfire. And it was basically eat, survive, and that's about it, right? Right. And he's got all this cool stuff now. Though, of course, as he's doing all this, he turns around and goes into this rant. Uh-huh. And you go, okay, once again, Crane, tell us what you really think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but using something else to get your frustrations out on. <laughs> well, he should have been upset. Well, yes, but at first you didn't know if it was because of not being able to get through to Abby or what it actually ended up being was that he got rejected for citizenship. Oh, and he was there to help the country get founded. Yes, he was. But he can't tell them that. Yeah, because what's his excuse? <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, but I had to use my astral projection to go find my most valued partner in a catacomb oh. in some other strange parallel universe. Ah, uh, yeah, they approved that citizenship form right away. Yeah. Yeah. But he did get to try a new frou-frou drink, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mimosas. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he liked it. I kind of doubt it. Well, remember when he and Zoe were on their first date and he got that frou-frou drink that should have had an umbrella in it? Yes. I don't, he seemed to like them. He did. He, he did, did seem to like that. Yeah. So maybe he did like the mimosas. Mm-hmm. We get the flashback of him meeting Japheth Leeds. And, of course, Leeds tells him that he chose the wrong mentor. <laughs> well. Which... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> On a couple of occasions later on in the episode, Crane uh, retorts that uh, <laughs> statement uh, rather emphatically. He actually stood up for old Benny. Great lines in the episode. I think that was a first that he stood up for Benny. Yes, absolutely. Now, it was good to see that Crane was back on his game completely. Because mm -hmm. as soon as him and Abby go to the scene where the two historians are murdered. He pieces it together and it was beautiful because he would say one thing, Abby would say something else. He would say something, Abby would say something else and boom, it clicked. Mm -hmm. And it was so great to see that between them two working a case together where they're feeding off each other again. And they did and that pretty much throughout the episode. Yes, they did. So that was a positive sign in Abby's return to normalness. And it was absolutely amazing that Crane was able to recall the scorpion poison antidote and tell Abby the ingredients. Now, I wonder how he knew what that antidote would be. Well, because... The scorpions are products of this dry desert area where I live. Right. And he was on the East Coast. And in all the years I lived on the East Coast, I don't think I've ever seen a scorpion. So, Not on the East Coast. Here fine. in the Central, yes, there are scorpions here as well. Yeah. And even though it is much wetter than it is over in the desert. So, yeah, but he was always up in the, the North, North and Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah, and that's too cold for scorpions to want to survive in that. Uh-huh. 
so. type of uh, environment. But I kind of bought it as, yes, once they figured that, yes, whatever this creature was part scorpion, before they actually went to his lair, Crane kind of mm. flipped in one of the books and said, just in case, let me glance at the antidote for this. Yeah, I could see him doing that. Yeah. And seeing that he was going through books left and right, I, yeah, it's very possible that he could have done that. And back to knowing exactly where all his books were. Yes, exactly where they were, yep. which so much better to have Crane in a better place. Back now, in if we Crane could just mode. get Abby back <laughs> completely. I know. Now, did you think he might have overstepped his bounds? when he told Abby that the rune was a symbol for evil? I didn't think that. Okay. And that surprised me that he felt that he had. Right. But when he said that to her, I thought, oh, no, no, you're just looking out for her best interests and you're trying to protect her. I think that maybe he thinks he overstepped his bounds because deep down inside of him, that he cares for her more than he may even realize himself and doesn't want to offend her in any way. Right. And so that's why I suspect he may have said that to her. I can believe that that's probably the headspace he's coming from because he still probably hasn't forgotten the fact that, yes, he just left for a year. Mm Mm-hmm without communicating to her. So he's still got that guilt that is in his back pocket. So yes, anytime he thinks he might have said something wrong, that's going to jump up and bite him in the butt again. Yeah. But what he told her about the soldiers, though, I thought was very compelling. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that was a great recovery for him. I don't know if it was so much a recovery as that was his personal experience that he really Yes, it was his personal experience, but it ended up being a very nice recovery. (laughs) Yeah. How did he phrase that? Oh. That he had seen soldiers doing whatever they needed to do to survive. Right. To live with their memories of war. And I think that we hear so many stories today of men and women who have come back from war and are sometimes so tortured by what they have seen that some are able to recover and some are not. Yes. And, and so what he was saying, I think, had a real, a real authentic ring to it. And I think that it's something that has happened since war has existed on this planet. Yes. So I think that the writers, for however much of this they cover, did a very nice job with that for a very sensitive I- and a very touching subject. Yes, I agree completely yeah. there. All right. Well, what about Miss Ab? Well, our Abby. And all she's doing is seeking solace from this rune. And every time she has flash, every single time she has flashbacks, she goes to the room as if it's her security blanket in a way. She's completely mesmerized by that thing. When they were in the laboratory and she saw it sitting there, she had to go over to it, touch it, fondle it, hold it. And she really wasn't even really listening to crane no no she just zoned right out she did and i thought that was just it was again i think we said it before that it's that's just creepy yes it is you know one of the other interesting things that she did is before they even walked into the lab 
when he was playing with Lee's stove, you know, the fake stove. Right. And she told Crane to go first, that she was first last time. Right. And I thought, that is, that's not our Abby. No. At all. No, it isn't. So. And what could have possessed her to even say that? I, I, I couldn't even put my hands around that and say, okay, it's this. It's just. That line just didn't make a lot of sense. No, it was very it was very out of character, and that almost made me think. Okay, she was going. I mean, because their what their their archives are down below. They got the tunnels back there. She had been mm-hmm. in the tunnels before uh, with the kindred, right? Right. And so at first, she might think going down into something dark, you know, catacomb like that. That might be a little unnerving. But yet, she's already been in that circumstance. Exactly. But maybe it was just. That she had a minute to stop and to think about it while he was playing with the stove and the fake fire. And maybe it just a kind of hit her, again, that stress. And she just, you know, you have that, suddenly you like seize up and you have that moment of hesitation. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and that's probably it. So, but I think what one of the other things that was sort of weird in a way was when she was holding Crane after she gave him her second batch of antidote. And just clutching him, and she was clutching her room, both of them just tightly to her chest as if they were the two most important things in her world, right? And I almost thought, is she going to start chanting or praying or asking this entity to whom she's pledged herself to heal Crane? Because honestly, if those words had come out of her mouth, I wouldn't have been surprised. No, I wouldn't have either, because she knew that she had gotten so caught up in the room that she almost let him die. I know. And when he weakly said, Abby, right? Yes. And that's when she snapped out of it. Mm-hmm. He was just appealing to her as a, as a person, his best friend, his soulmate, like, help me. And then she snapped out of it and she realized that she needed to save him. And she did. But it was downright frightening to think that this hold that she's allowed this rune symbol to have on her could cause her to lose you know, someone that she that she loves. You know, and it could happen. It could ha- it could happen to anyone. It could have happened to Jenny yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. So it absolutely could have. Amazing the power that thing has on her. And what I really liked then at the end that she told him she needed his help. Yes, finally she finally, and she really had to. She had no choice after after that. You got to say I need help because it's out of control. Yeah, and we got just a snippet. Of that, and and so maybe within that snippet, we didn't have enough time for her to kind of tell him more. But right. I thought, wait a minute, she she just told him she needs his help, but she hasn't seen. She didn't tell him exactly how obsessed she is. Like all her no. drawings, the paintings, the only thing she handed him was the one from Leeds Laboratory. Right. So is and even she, that was difficult for. Her. I know. So the question is. Was she doing this to try and pacify him in some way? And she's still being controlled. Is she being sincere? Or is she just flat out torn? Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, it was hard to get a read on her because she was, at first she was very up and happy and and positive about doing this. But then when you see her reaction as the, the rune gets further away, and you go, this isn't over yet. She became almost very vulnerable, very childlike, I thought. Mm-hmm. So I think the big question is, how can Crane help her? Yes. 
And that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he will find something in his books that will give him a clue as to what he can do to help break the hold the rune has on her. Mm-hmm. And we know Crane and he's going to be looking. Yes. <laughs> he will get as obsessed as he was trying to find her to get this resolved as soon as possible. I'm sure of it. Yeah, because he's clearly very worried. Yes. So I thought that Dark Mirror was an interesting title for this episode. And if you think about the Dark Mirror, it's usually, you know, you've, you, you, know you look into a mirror and what the reflection you see is not really you, is that there's, it, it's, it's like two sides of the same thing. If you've ever played that little mirror game where you stand across from someone and you try to imitate each other's movements the way you would see it in a mirror, except one person's doing it from the right, one person's doing it to the, from the left. And so I thought, well, we had a couple of comparisons as we went through this episode. Certainly the hidden one and his brother, right? One yes. was supposed to be dark, one was supposed to be light. So I thought that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then certainly Benjamin Franklin and Japheth Leeds. No doubt about that one. <laughs> yeah, here they were both inventors, both very intelligent. Although we know that Franklin was good, but let's face it, we know that back, oh, how long ago was it? Didn't he participate in bringing back some witches from the dead or something like that? I got to go back and look, but he was in, involved in something a little witch. Oh, yeah, he he yeah. definitely was dabbling in the dark side as well. Yeah, but he didn't turn himself into a genetic mutant anyway. No, he didn't. So I, I think we had a couple other comparisons out there as well, probably. Yes, we had both sides of Abby. Oh, yes. And you could say the old and new trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, which one is going to be the light one and which is going to be the dark one? I know what Jenny thinks and I know what Joe thinks and I don't think they agree. <laughs> no, they don't right now. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> yes, uh, that got a lot of reaction from the fans as well saying, what do you mean? Take the trailer back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we have a little feedback <clears throat> to that effect as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you dug out some information on this rune, I see. I did. You know how I like to internet surf. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, this rune, the symbol that Abby is seeing. And I think I talked about this last week that it, it's pretty close to an old Norse rune, which was the characters or symbols that they used to use for writing before Latin kind of took over the continent way back in the Dark Ages. So what she is seeing and drawing is called the Odal rune, or also known as the Othala rune. And I will, I will tell you that this rune has been used on a few other TV shows as well. Now, as I had just said, the runes were used as the alphabet in ancient Norse and Anglo-Saxon cultures prior to the arrival of Latin. And these symbols also had particular meanings to them. This one is associated with property, estate, homeland, and nation building. However, it doesn't necessarily hearken to the type of utopia that the hidden one wants to have. <laughs> okay? Because this one is supposed to be one that remains peaceful and free from oppression. And one of the prime teachings is, one who is unable to be trusted with the little things cannot be trusted with the big things, which is a warning against authority. So you think that the hidden one has a little problem with being trusted with things, maybe? 
Ah, uh, that's been proven. Like with Pandora's box, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to have some feedback that might tie into this as well. I think so. Now, these symbols, I think almost every single one of them could be reversed. Okay? So, and if you think about it, that's what we're talking about with the mirror, right? That right. things can be reversed. So, when this particular room is reversed, and Abby was writing it as it existed, not as it was reversed, okay? So that tells me she was on the side of light, not on the side of darkness. But if the rune is reversed, that is the road toward totalitarianism that the hidden one embraces. So I I know we've been speculating about Abby. Is this a good thing that she's involved with or a bad thing? And I think that Abby may have connected with her ancient ancestors who have fought this fight before, and that their experiences and strength are going to help her. And I don't think it's the hidden one, which I probably shouldn't say that because, as we know, all my theories are wrong. And so if I, if I say that this is her ancestors and this is a good thing for her, it'll probably turn out to be the hidden one. So maybe I should just shut up now. <laughs> no. But anyway, so I went to runesecrets.com to find this information, and I found it to be very interesting indeed. It, it really is. And hopefully the writers have also done the same uh, digging, and we're following a positive issue and not a negative issue. Well, the writers are so much more creative and smarter than I am, so I'm really not too worried about that. (laughs) Now, of course, we have the sands of time in the hourglass, or the sands of life, which are being used to measure out time. I wonder what happens when it runs out. Yeah. Does the Hidden One get all his power back, or... Do all the monsters show up or? Well, he's been summoning the monsters. So the monsters and the sand must go hand in hand in some way. But I'm scratching my head trying to figure that one out. Or maybe the, when the sand runs out, it's at that point in time that the world will change because he knows the monsters are coming and they're going to give him his, his power back. I mean, I don't know how he can be that smart. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not completely uh, grasping the uh, significance of the uh, hourglass. And Japheth made it sound like that this was possible replacement for the box. but It, it did in a way, because if, if, as if the evil would be there. Right. But So I'm not sure. I don't know. But this isn't the first time we've seen an hourglass, or, or at least one, not seen this one, but that an hourglass has been mentioned now, has it? Right. Abby made her own hourglass when she was in the catacombs to keep time. Right. And I have a feeling that it wasn't a coincidence that she did that, now that we've no. seen this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think we'll find out more soon. Let's hope so. Mm-hmm. Now, we did not see or hear anything from Walters or the nine sacred places this week, unfortunately. and. I kind of get the feeling that this is the setup for season four, is that whatever Walters is going to get out of the nine sacred places is what's going to be the big bad for, or the next tribulation, unless it might be the brothers that are going to end up putting the hidden one back in his catacombs. I like your theory a lot better. (laughs) I really do. That would be 
really nice to see if that happens, but mm-hmm. it more than likely it'll be the next tribulation. No, <laughs> it can go real bad or real good, either way. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I hadn't even thought about that. So that's a really good one, Steve. Good. So do we have a... Actually, we did. We had a couple of more great ickyisms this week. Oh, yes. Crane he was, was totally on his game. On his game. Yeah. Especially as he's cooking. These eggs are named after a traitor to this nation. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> These delicious baked goods were named after a member of Habsburg monarchy, which is an affront to anyone who ever fought a Hessian. <laughs> Yeah, he was really on the food kick there, wasn't he? Yes. Getting his frustration out. <laughs> yes. That's why I would love to see him on a, a cooking show. I could just, <laughs> I'd just love to see that. That would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, sign him up for one. And so what is in a name? Apparently nothing. Well, he seems to think that if he thinks that about the eggs and the uh, baked goods, doesn't he? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love the line, the irony is not lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one that got a ooh from everybody. Uh-huh. That was Franklin's party trick, not always on his nose. I, you know, and I, and I heard that in my hands. I just, I had to do the face palming thing. Like, I yeah. can't believe you. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah, that was probably uh, TMI there. Uh, uh, yeah. Crane. <laughs> yeah. Especially since we know that Franklin used to take <clears throat> air baths. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And as uh, they're escaping from Leeds Lair, I love his line where he goes, now who's the subpar alchemist? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of his first digs right back at Leeds. And the final one, of course, was after he is hit by lightning and blows up. Benjamin Franklin sends his regards. There you go. <laughs> what a fitting in for him to kind of blow up and go kind of splat. Let's see. Okay. All that blood spatter. That that was what I thought Atticus Nevins looked like, but Exactly. Exactly. But I think that we can safely say that the Jersey Devil is gone. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. All right, what kind of great history lesson do we have this week, Barb? Well, Steve, you know, today we could talk about Benjamin Franklin and his kite and electricity. However, I think we're going to talk about our monster of the week and the legend of the Jersey Devil. All right. Because our writers didn't just invent a monster for us, per se. The Jersey Devil is a legendary creature that is said to inhabit the Pine Barrens of southern New Jersey in the United States. Now, there have been numerous descriptions of the creature, but the most common is of a kangaroo-like creature with the head of a goat, bat-like wings, clawed hands and hooves, and having a forked tail. Now, it can supposedly move very quickly and has a blood-curdling scream. And I think this is one of the complaints that I think I saw on Twitter is that folks who live in New Jersey and actually have heard of the Jersey Devil, which I never right. had before this, were saying, oh, he doesn't look like the descriptions that we've seen. Right, okay. However, there have been a variety of descriptions of the creature, and really, it was quite a while before. Now, everybody is sort of seeing the same type of thing, you know? Once, ev- <laughs> once everybody's seen it, then everybody else has seen exactly the same thing. Yes, that's usually how those type of things go. Yes. Now, there are a number of different stories about how 
this Jersey Devil originated, but one of them is that a woman had 12 children, and she was giving birth to her ugh, 13th child. Oh. I know, ouch. In 1735, and said that this would be the child of the devil. Now, her name was Mother Leeds, and she was supposedly a witch. So, the baby was either born as a real child and changed into a devil or was deformed, depending on what, you know, what story you want to listen to. But then it was exercised in 1740 by a clergyman and not seen again for over 100 years. Imagine that. Now, other stories said that this woman was Deborah Leeds and her husband was... Jepet leads. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. Very close to the name that we saw with our character today. Mm-hmm. And that he named 12 children in his 1736 will, and they lived in the Leeds Point section of Atlantic County, New Jersey, near the Jersey Devil story location. So that's how that all has sort of evolved. Now, stories about the creature did not appear in print until about 1909. And it has been speculated that there was a colonial-era political intrigue, imagine that, in the mm-hmm. late 1600s and early 1700s regarding a Daniel Leeds who was a politician and who published a rival almanac, and that this story was created to discredit his family. All kinds of things can get ma- made up about anyone. I mean, isn't that what politicians do today? They all make up stories about each other? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, Things okay. haven't changed in 250 years. Oh, heck. Ugh, not uh, In this case, it's over 300. Goodness yes. gracious. If they, <laughs> yeah. start in the la- if they start in the late 1600s. Exactly. Uh, 400. My goodness. So, uh, yeah, things haven't changed at all in the political landscape. Delightful. Now, interestingly, several prominent individuals in history have claimed to have seen the beast, including Commodore Stephen Decatur of U.S. naval fame and Joseph Bonaparte, the older brother of Napoleon. So certainly, they can't be wrong. Oh, no. No. Now, this creature has been so popular that a hockey team has been named after them. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. So if you really want to learn more about the New Jersey Devil, I have two links for you. One of them is the link to Wikipedia, and it talks about the Jersey Devil. And the second one is a link to a one-hour YouTube video. It's an episode of Weird or What with William Shatner. Isn't that awesome? That aired oh, on yes, the Sci-Fi Channel. Series. Yes, I remember this series. Yes, so I will post that out there. And honestly, I watched it just to see William Shatner listen, <laughs> and, and to listen to him narrate this, okay? I mean, it was great. So that is our story, and the links will be on our blog post. Oh, another good history lesson, Barb. Yeah, I'm not so sure if that's just history or, or speculation, Steve, but <laughs> I thought it was a lot more fun than a kite, a key, and lightning. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And our listeners in New Jersey will appreciate it. I think they will. Shout out to you guys in New Jersey. And if you get pictures or have pictures of the Jersey Devil, send them in. We'd love to see them. And that's after you make your million dollars by selling it to like the National Enquirer or something like that. Or TMZ. (laughs) Yeah, or TMZ. Perfect. So Steve, we had some feedback this week. I think this was a banner week for us for feedback. Yes, it was. Well, first we got some audio feedback. So thankfully, Justina was able to make it back Uh, and we were able to get her out of the lake. Awesome. Yes. 
And it's so glad to have you back in our plane of existence, Justina. So here she is. Hi, Marvin, Steve. This is Justina. Last week when I saw that symbol that Abby was drawn to and kept drawing over and over, I was worried that it was some sort of evil that had taken control of her. But since something in that symbol allowed her to live and come back to this plane of existence, I was starting to think that maybe it's not imbued with evil, but it is imbued with life. I'm a little bit worried about Team Witness this week because Abby is still not doing very well. She's definitely showing major symptoms of PTSD. But I think it's a positive step that she's opening up to Crane and asking for help. After all, they're supposed to be partners, witnesses against evil. And I'm pretty worried because after this week's episode, it looks like Pandora and the Hidden One have an op upper hand. They might be winning at the moment because they got the sands of time that they were seeking. So at the beginning of the season, Pandora had a box filled with death and evil. So if Abby, after her trip to the catacombs, is now filled with life and light, that is the perfect thing to battle death and evil with. So if they can find a way to harness this power, Team Witness can be victorious. And then Crane can put saving the planet from evil on his application for citizenship. That's gotta get you some points, right? I give this episode 8 out of 10 fake Franklin stoves. So this is Justina signing out saying, All of us on Team Witness have got to figure this out before the sands of time run out. Have a great week. Well, I sure hope you're right about uh, Abby being imbued with light and life instead of evil. Oh, I know. I think that's what we all want. So Yes. And just like everyone else out in the fandom, she was very happy to see that Abby opened up to Crane. Yes, and I think she's just as worried as we are about the hidden one and this hourglass. Yes, exactly. And what that's actually going to mean when the sands of time run out. Mm -hmm. And I liked her rating. Yes. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Hello. Fake, fake Franklin stoves. Fake. <laughs> Sorry, Leeds, it's fake. You weren't as good. Ha ha. Well, and we also got some feedback on Facebook, didn't we, Barb? Oh, that was so exciting. Yes, <laughs> we did. So Todd started us off with this, and I thought that was awesome that you took the initiative to do it. And he said, I first thought the makeup on the, new, on the Jersey Devil kind of, okay, stunk. I'm going to change that word. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> Are they running out of money? Well, I hope not. Second thought was that Abby's gone a bit cray-cray this ep. I suppose it could be worse. He's picked up your vernacular. Yes, yes. Not, not sure I liked the Jenny and Joe storyline. That was a rather sweet new trailer. I'd kept it. <laughs> if trailers were my thing, that is. I wonder how much Crane's rejected citizenship is about what happened with that colonial reenactor ex-girlfriend who got kidnapped a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, wow, you know what? That's a great point. Mm-hmm. So it I sure could be. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I said, hey, you know, that's a, a real, you know, interesting uh, thought there, Todd. Uh, but, you know, she was so sweet. Do you really think she'd sabotage I Ichabod? And he replied to that, didn't he, Steve? Yes, he did. Maybe not directly. Maybe she still has questions about what that thing was that grabbed her. Then again, maybe since she passed out, she thought she just dreamed it. It's interesting that we just didn't go further this week with the Nevins thing. 
Well, not Nevins per se, because he's not around now. But the guy he handed the file to, Daniel's boss, is is that his name? Abby's friend from Quantico, who's now her boss. Yep, yep, Danny's boss. Yes. And, and I, that's the same thing that we said, too. Darn, you know, here you, you, you guys are leaving us with these little teases. Writers and heck, you know, we want to know what's going on, too. So maybe maybe we'll get a hint of that next week. Or if not, we're just going to have to wait for it, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those dangling uh, participles that just won't go away. It's totally. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> totally. And then we got another comment, too, from Patsy Green. And she said, as a Jersey girl, I was highly disappointed in the Jersey Devil's appearance. I've heard many stories and none included a scorpion's tail. That symbol from the other world is definitely evil. Ooh, see now Patsy thinks this is evil. Mm-hmm. Crane has to break the bond it has over Abby. You were, were all in agreement there. Yes. I would have kept that trailer and gave Joe some supreme <clears throat> thank you, <clears throat> you know what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, an, this is a G-rated show. So I'm, you know, well, we came pretty close with those stupid spoons, didn't we? All right. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. But anyway, really nice to have feedback from everyone. Really appreciate that because we, we love to get it out here for you and give you guys the shout outs for your thoughts. Absolutely. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the season as a whole as we start heading down the final stretch of episodes. So please send us your feedback and theories. Uh, We also want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interactions. And this week's shout outs have to go to Justina, Todd, and Patsy for their feedback. Amen to that. And how can they get a hold of us, Barb? So there are several different ways they can do that. Our voicemail number is 304-837-2278, or you can go to thegoldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback page where you can use the SpeakPipe widget on the side of the page to record audio, or you can type out your feedback on the form, or you can attach your audio feedback to an email, which is just what Justina did. Our feedback deadline is Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can... Also find us at Witness Prophecies on Facebook, as Todd and Patsy did, and they left their feedback there. You can find us at Witness Prof GSM on Twitter. Steve is at Salyer Steve, and I'm at Tangier14. All right, we've come to the portion of the podcast where we discuss visions of the future, so... Run. Run as if lightning is going to strike some idiot holding a lightning rod next to you okay get out of there (laughs) all right episode 14 next friday march 11th into the wild abby and sophie put their survival skills to the test on an all-new sleepy hollow on an fbi team building day abby and sophie come face to face with a monster that may finally blow their cover with reynolds meanwhile jenny and joe find themselves in possession of something precious and Crane discovers that the symbol from the catacombs may be more important than he realized. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Oh, my. I can't wait to see Abby and Sophie working together to defeat a monster. That will be great. That will be awesome. Okay, and then after that, on episode 15, which will be on March the 18th, we have Incommunicado. The strongest alliances are put to the test on an all-new Sleepy Hollow. After a supernatural event takes the witnesses by surprise. That's scary. 
Both yes. Crane and Abby are forced to work alongside their most hated foes yet. Meanwhile, Jenny and Joe struggle to salvage their relationship as they continue to battle their own internal demons in the all-new Incommunicado episode of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, my. That's going to be interesting. Yes, this one has definitely piqued my interest as far as what supernatural event is going to happen that will cause Crane and Abby to work alongside their most hated foes yet. And we don't know who that could possibly be. Right. Not a clue. Oh, Not goodness. a clue. Okay, wait a minute. Their most hated foes right now are Pandora and the Hidden One. Right. Oh, that would be atrocious. <laughs> and Jenny and Joe. Oh. Yes. They, they can't still be having a trailer fight. No, surely not. Oh, I don't know. It must be boundaries again. Uh, probably. All right. Episode 16, Dawn's Early Light. Crane must tap into painful memories. On an all-new Sleepy Hollow, Friday, March 25th, as the Hidden One grows stronger, Crane must examine his past with Betsy Ross to find the key to stopping him. Meanwhile, Jenny wonders if she can ever have a relationship with her father, and Abby faces a hard decision as things with Reynolds becomes more strained in an all-new Dawn's Early Light. Oops. Uh, Yeah, I guess uh, Reynolds... Gets to see a monster for the first time. <laughs> Oops. Hey, you know, and here's something else interesting about this. Okay, so episode 16, we said is Friday, March the 25th. Fifth. They're running all these in a row because after that, you were only going to have 17 and 18. So then I guess the question becomes, are they going to run both of those in April? And we're going to be finished in by the middle of April for this season. It's starting to look that way, isn't it? It sure does. Uh-huh. Well, I guess we'll find out here with the next press releases in uh, the next week or so. Yes. Interesting. Okay. All we know about episode 17 is that George Washington is going to return. And the season finale is Ragnarok, which is reference to Norse mythology. It's a series of future events, including a great battle foretold to ultimately result in the death of a number of major figures in Norse mythology, including gods. The mm. occurrence of various natural disasters and the subsequent submersion of the world in water. Afterward, the world will resurface anew and fertile, and the surviving and returning gods will meet, and the world will be repopulated by two human survivors. Wow. And you know, if this is Norse, Norse mythology, and we've just said that this, the rune, right, is a Norse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, symbol, this is sort of beginning to tie together here. Yes, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's just which direction are they taking this? <laughs> I don't know. Just save them. Save them, please. Yes. And everyone, don't forget about the book, Sleepy Hollow, Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters. The official making of Sleepy Hollow with all those beautiful pictures in it. Um, it's out. Steve and I reviewed it before the winter premiere began. It is by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry, who have great experience in this area and have done a number of these wonderful books for television shows. So Absolutely. Pick it up. And please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews that helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, 
Go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Tell your friends, and we sure do hope you're enjoying our podcast. If you do decide you want to get that Sleepy Hollow book, swing over to goldenspiralmedia.com and use our Amazon links. It doesn't cost you a bit, and it helps support the podcast at Golden Spiral Media. This is Steve, and the first step in solving a problem is admitting there is one. And this is Barb signing out and reminding you not to play with lightning rods during thunderstorms. Very good advice. See you next week, sleepyheads.